Are you tired of the same old business advice? Welcome to the Liberated CEO Experience, the podcast that's redefining entrepreneurial success one unscripted and candid conversation at a time. Get ready to soak up unfiltered stories of triumph, failure, and everything in between from trailblazers who are rewriting the rules of the game and building thriving businesses on their own terms. So if you're ready to level up your impact, income, and joy, all while staying true to your unique vision, you're in the right place. This is the Liberated CEO Experience. Welcome back, audacious entrepreneurs and impact creators. You're dialed into another empowering episode of the Liberated CEO Experience, the podcast that's all about igniting your fire and forging a business that shakes the world. I'm your host, Ty Goodman, and today we're exploring a vital key to making a difference, creating more impact by showing up with confidence. I am overjoyed to have the inimitable Tequila Shabazz with us to illuminate this topic. Tequila Cooper Shabazz is the founder and CEO of Key Virtual Support Solutions, a fast-growing broker agency that matches entry to executive-level talent with busy entrepreneurs and executives. Shabazz studied public administration at Roosevelt University and spent 15 years in executive administration, corporate media sales, and fundraising before stepping out as a social entrepreneur in 2011. In December 18, she shifted gears and decided to use her experience as an entrepreneur and her professional background to help small minority-owned businesses streamline their operations, strengthen their leadership, and scale through hiring. To date, she has hired over 125 independent remote contractors, serviced at least 100 entrepreneurs, and earned over $1 million in annual revenue. She has been recognized by Forbes as a CEO to watch and named Most Innovative Businesswoman of the Year for Remote Businesses by Acquisition International. In this episode, we'll delve into the potent connection between confidence and impact and how it's different for men versus women. Tequila will share her journey revealing how cultivating confidence has enabled her to stand out, make her mark, and inspire others to do the same. So if you're ready to boost your confidence, amplify your impact, then you're in the right place. Fasten your seatbelt, tune into your inner power, and let's embark on the journey of showing up with confidence with the phenomenal Tequila Shabazz right here on the Liberated CEO Experience. I am always excited when we have amazing guests. And when have we not had an amazing guest on our Liberated CEO experience? You heard the bio of my guest. And I am excited because this topic is not something that we always talk about. It's something I think we keep in the back of our minds. But we're going to dive into talking about the differences in how men and women show up and what it might be costing us in our business. So, Tequila, I am so glad that we're getting to have this conversation. And I want to start off by talking about how do you show up as a woman business owner? I would say that... You know what? I think that when we show up, we don't think this is how I'm going to show up as a woman business owner. We just kind of show up. And what I've noticed is just the differences between men and women and how we show up. So for Mm -hmm. example, the things that I have in common is with men, I think is that 
I'm extremely confident. And there was a study that I just read recently and where it's outlined the differences between men and women when they show up. So for example, some of the things are women are not usually as confident as mm-hmm. men when they show up. So I show up extremely confident And because of that one thing, for example, someone may consider me to be more masculine than feminine. So I'm like, what? Right. So things like showing up confident, showing up from a women typically will come into business and we are here for autonomy and flexibility where men will typically show up because they are filling a need in the marketplace. So we operate Mm -hmm. off of, oh, we want flexibility, we want autonomy, and I'm very much aligned with my sisters in that sense, where it's autonomy and flexibility, but in that, I also have to have purpose, which is very, I feel like, a very feminine thing where we have to have (laughs) this purpose, and then in addition to that, then I will say, okay, how do I use what I plan to do to fill a need in the marketplace. So I start off from a place of purpose and Mm -hmm. what I really want, autonomy, flexibility. And then I'm like, how is what I'm building? How does it meet a need in the marketplace? So I think that men come in like what's missing from the marketplace and how can I fill that need? And Mm -hmm. that's their purpose. Whereas women are driven by a different purpose, whether Mm -hmm. that's the autonomy and flexibility because they want to pick up their children from school or be home in time to cook, right? Right. So different things drive us. So I think that I have the confidence. I definitely show up from a place of where, just like my sisters, like I said, I want the autonomy and flexibility. Another thing that's different is that the way we show up in business is that women are really big into personal development. Not that men won't, but you will find more women are going to go through all the trainings, get all the coaching, set up accountability groups. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be true. And just the spaces that I found myself in doing training, there's mostly women, even in offering training myself to Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, it's dominated by women. Women are interested. I wonder how much that's connected to women's confidence and thinking that they just can't go out and do it. You know, I come from a corporate marketplace and I remember reading about how men will take positions when they know they haven't done it before, but just because they believe they can do something, they're like, oh, sure, I can do that. And women, they have the exact same credentials, but they'll look at the job description and say, I can't apply for it because I've never done that before. Instead of evaluating their skills and say, yeah, I could probably do that. And that's where I say that I'm very similar to our male, my brothers in this way. It's I'll see something and be like, I didn't exactly do that, but I know I can do it Um, and can look at my skills and see how it transfers over when that's not something that is usually common in women. Yeah, I'm the same way. And that really served me well in my career in climbing the corporate ladder. And it served me well, I think, in business too. I read a book by Valerie. I can't remember her last name, but she talks about the imposter syndrome. And she told this story about how a woman, she had taken this, gotten this promotion and she was taking the train two hours every day, each way to get to the job. And she was so burned out and so overwhelmed, but she didn't want to open up her mouth and ask for help because it was going to be like, oh my God, I'm weak or I can't do it. So she lasted in a position for about 10 months and she quit. They hired a guy. The first thing he did was, if you want me to do this, I need this and this. Yep. They gave it to him. Yep. 
Um, and that's interesting because you're talking about something, you're talking about the corporate space mm-hmm. and it's reflective in the entrepreneurial space where the same study says that women are more likely to be solopreneurs, whereas mm-hmm. men will go in and form partnerships and collaborations mm-hmm. to get yeah. what it is that they need to get, whereas women will struggle alone for a long time. Now they may go through a training and things like that, but you'll hear more women, I'm introverted. I don't want that whole thing. So we're less likely to ask for what it is that we need. Let's be clear about the introvert because I'm an introvert and people will look at me all the time right. and say, no, not. I said, right. yes, I am because as much as I love teaching, as much as I love being on stages and I love talking, at the end of that time, I'm going to need to go home and get a drink and a book and be quiet by myself and refuel from the energy that it took me to actually be in a classroom or be teaching as opposed to an extrovert who, when they're around people, it charges them up. It doesn't charge me up. It drains me. And so that's- Exactly. I'm the same way. I'm the same way and no one ever believes that. But we're really more what they call ambiverts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a middle ground because introversion is a real thing. Social anxiety is a real thing. I don't mean to downplay it, but I think that people, sometimes women can use that as here's a scapegoat for me to be insulated in the space. And we just find that more in entrepreneurship, the same way that you described the woman who, instead of asking for help, she quit. And a man came on and he was very confident in his ask and he got what he needed to be successful in the job. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, is that before she quit, she got to the point of being burned out. And I see that a lot of women where we'll just struggle and struggle. And I learned this phrase growing up, a closed mouth don't get fed. Man, listen. Telling myself all the time, I was one of those entrepreneurs who I looked like I had it going on. I had the photo shoots, I had the images, I had great social media, but I was Facebook rich and profit poor for the first five years in my business until I opened my mouth and said, listen, this is not working. I need something else. And then I may started making the investments and those kind of things. So, you know, I'm curious about this. Do you find that your ability to float in between the feminine and the masculine side of things, does that? That turns some women away from you? That's a really good question. I do think that it may turn a certain type of woman away from me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's usually, I'd be like, why aren't we connecting? Or what? Where? Mm-hmm. what is that? And then it completely draws another type of woman towards me though. So I'm not going to say like all women are turned off by it. There are some people that really respect that. It's almost how they say children respect the... When they, where their mother says something, they may not listen, but when their father speaks, it's like this authority. So uh-huh. there are some women that recognize this authority that I have about myself and there are other women. And I think maybe those who push more on the feminine side that are turned off by it because they don't like to see those sorts of character traits in a woman. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder if you see this too about how it impacts the sales process. You know, when I lived in Minnesota, they have this thing called Minnesota Nice, which is about how they say that some Minnesotans are passive aggressive and those kind of things. But one of the things I noticed there was that it was so much easier for me to do business with men. Yep. I would say, here's what I can do. Here's what you need. Let's go. And I would literally, I literally had a guy say, okay, where can I give you my credit card? And with the women, they always wanted to sit down. Let's go for coffee. Yep. I am not trying to be your BFF. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you find that a lot. And that's a turnoff for some women because that's how they socialize. That's how they do business. That's how they build the relationships where yeah. we may be, matter of fact, right to the point, more logical than emotional. And those are traits that are deemed masculine. And I also think that's just my training. I came up in a sales environment, which was dominated by men. And so you have a very, here's your quota. This is what you do, whatever you need to do to close it. You will find, depending on what the industry is, unless you, maybe you're talking about the beauty industry or something of that nature. And even then, in those cases, you still find these very masculine, strong, matter of fact, to the point, get off the pot, sign the deals, cutthroat. It's yeah. a cutthroat mentality for real. So yeah, I know for sure there are some women that are turned off by it. I never thought about it until you told me but if mm -hmm. I had to guess I think it is women that lean more towards the feminine side of things and the way that they do business mm -hmm. whereas the women that are drawn to me are women who are attracted to authority mm -hmm. and they look at women like yourself and myself and say man I wish I was as outspoken as you or as brave mm -hmm. as you and mm -hmm. could do that they see something in us that they don't have in themselves yeah yeah. I wish more of them, though, would learn to see that they can have that, too, because we weren't born this way. Like we learned some things and I learned it out of necessity. I'm like, listen, if I don't open my mouth, I'm not going to have a business. If I don't open my mouth, <laughs> I'm not going to have clients. And at this point, having been on my own in business for about six years, like I don't have a day job to go right. back to. And so I've got to open my mouth. I've got to ask. I've got to do those things. I wish and I'm hoping that as women are listening to this, that if you realize yourself in this, you realize that there are things that you can do and learn so that you're not hurting your business. Because I think that's what starts to happen. It takes us longer to get sales. Yeah, it does. And we are less likely to ask for the sale that is valuable, meaning that, you know, our worth, we're less likely to ask for our worth. Mm -hmm. We're quick to discount. We start to stutter when it comes time to quote a price. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. something that's really $5,000, but you're like, oh, it's $5,000. And before anybody could even ask you about a discount or anything, wow. you've already discounted yourself and you're selling a $5,000 product for $2,000. Yeah. And I mean, if you ask for $2,000. You understand what I mean? Okay, so I've been there. I'm, I tell I myself all the real. time. Yeah. yeah. I tell myself all the time. And I think it's about changing our expectation. I think a lot of times our expectation is that people are going to say no to us or our expectation yeah. is that people can't afford. And we don't know, like, we don't know what they have in their bank account. Yeah. We don't know what they're willing to do to make that investment. And so if we change our expectation around, you know, one of my affirmations that I write every day is that $5,000 is a drop in a bucket for my ideal client. Yes. Right. Yes. Because then when I'm on a sales call and I'm saying, Hey, it's $5,000 to do X, Y, and Z, it's not. It's $5,000 and I hope they have yeah. enough to yeah. for you. Yeah, it and is. That, yeah, that expectation sets a whole different conversation and it sets a whole different confidence as well. Correct. I was on a phone call today. I have two coaching programs that I launched at the top of this year and that I began selling last quarter. They're both beta. So one is for businesses that are making under $150,000 and others are for six-figure businesses that are looking to use an agency model to scale their businesses. Now, I'm like, this is the first time I'm doing this, but I'm able to, I'm like, yeah, the price is $8,000. 
It's $8,000 for this 10 weeks, right? But it's beta and it's going to be more, but this is still a high ticket. But I didn't give anybody a discount for that. I didn't stutter or stammer. Oh, it's new. And it's that. It's a confidence. Today, say the other program, which is about $300 a month. And Mm -hmm. the young lady, I'm like, it starts tomorrow. I got your application. I just called to talk to you because it really, it's closed, but your application was really good. So I might go ahead and accept. So I asked her some questions. Then it gets to the end and she goes, is this going to be a program that goes up on me next year? I'm like, are you going to be in the same position that you're in next year? Yeah. So you're already worried about the pricing for next year. And that tells me how you value yourself. It's this fear of price. It's this fear of sales that I find a lot of, I don't want to say all women, because there's some women out here that are super cutthroat and will be like, uh, sign the $10 million deal. So it's not like that, but I do find that women are a lot more afraid to Mm -hmm. ask for their worth. Yeah. I always make the distinction between worth and value, right? Yeah. It's the value for the services that we yeah. bring in. I tell the story about when I was talking sure. to these guys, they did not look like me. These were these young white guys and they were trying to sell me into their program. I think I did end up going into their program, but we were on the phone and he was like, so what do you want to do? And I said, before I was doing a hundred thousand, I want to double that. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, so you want to do $200,000 a month. <laughs> And you're like, like, uh, that's possible. I literally had to (laughs) drop because I was talking about, I did that for the year, but these guys, these young guys, they got a program and they are doing about $400,000 a month. And it totally changed my frame of reference and how Mm -hmm. I started positioning myself because the value of what I'm delivering, if I'm helping people create six figure offers and helping people generate all these leads. Yeah, that's going to be worth more than just a $3,500 thing that we're doing. And it's on us, though, to make sure we hold fast to what those numbers are and then look for those people who can recognize the value and not settle for people who don't recognize the value. That's real. Yeah, that definitely is real. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about the men's side for a minute, because I noticed this too. I noticed that a lot of women and myself included, we will say we, we only work with women. So are we missing opportunities when we limit ourselves that way? And where do you think that comes from? Why do we do that? Comfort. It's a comfort thing. First of all, we have to consider the male-female dynamic. And the man is the one, we're told this is the one that makes all the decisions, calls all the shots. So some women find themselves intimidated in male environments. And this person knows more than me. Mm-hmm. This person is stronger than me. I, so I think it's an intimidation thing more so than anything. And it's hidden behind the agenda of, I want to help women. Yeah. Now yeah. it's another thing where is in my business, I'm here to help a certain demographic and it isn't based on gender per se. However, as I continue to do business, my avatar became more of a woman because that's who was attracted mm-hmm. to my business, whether I was targeting them or not. Okay. This is who came into my business. And the men that came into my business are typically married men, not single men. So it's an interesting thing where my avatar after that first year and a half, it created itself. And I say, oh, this is who's doing business with us versus me saying I'm going to target women. But I think that people that come in and say, I want to target women. Usually the reason is that I want to help more women get ahead, which is good. But I also think that it's more of a comfort thing and men can be intimidating. They're yeah. Clients. yeah. And I want us to get rid of some of that thinking that like one of the things you said that struck me was that they know more than me. Yeah. 
And a lot of times they don't. <laughs> and here's the other thing, even if they do, they still can't do it all, all themselves. You know? And they and still don't do what you do. Exactly. That's why they're there. Exactly. <laughs> I think we just leave a lot on the table. Yeah. And the word that I heard you, other word I heard you say is about being comfortable. So I want to be comfortable. And it ties back to what you said in the beginning too, where you were saying that men tend to go and find the need and women tend to base it on, I want the autonomy and the flexibility. To me, that's thinking like an entrepreneur, Yeah. right? If you're going to succeed as an entrepreneur, you can't stay in your comfort zone and you can't make all your decisions in your business based on your feelings. I had a quote I said a while ago, a soft heart makes a broke bank account. <laughs> I just want to help everybody. I just want to be reasonable. And I'm like, seriously? But that's how women, you're going to find that more with women. Women are there. That's what I mean by women are more purpose driven from a heart space. Whereas men are more purpose driven from a need. Mm-hmm. And I think about the fact that I've been in, I've been an entrepreneur for the first 10 years and very much like you. I had a lot of impact, a lot of notoriety, popularity, but I was broke, broke. And I was leading from my emotions. Yeah. I wasn't leading from where's the need. Here's my client avatar. Here's my data. How do I use this to be smart in business? But it was that six years of those lessons and being broke. That said, oh, this isn't the way to go. Yeah. It's time yeah. to flip this on its head and be smarter about business. And that's when I started to adopt more of the, okay, where's their need? How can I still incorporate the heart space and the emotion? Because I just think that's a natural feminine thing. It's just how we're built up, how we're made, but still be, how can I incorporate this, but still be smart about business? Yeah. So I always say that I'm very androgynous <laughs> in the business space. Yeah, I wish, and it's my hope that we can learn to separate business sense from feminine and masculine traits, right? I do believe that as women, we bring a lot to the marketplace because we have more compassion. A lot of times we're more in touch with our intuition. We have bigger vision and we do have bigger hearts. And that still can be separate from our business sense. Yeah. But if we marry that compassion, that vision with having solid, no, we need to look at our numbers and our data. We're not going to run from high value and high ticket offers and high ticket pricing. We're not going to value from having really tough conversations with people, yeah. right? We're not, we're going to do all the things that we need to have a real business. I yeah. just imagine how much more impact we could have because then income, it doesn't become as much of a factor in everything. You yeah. Know? And and even if you don't understand that there's power in your feminine energy, I mean, the conversation that we're having business sense, like you said, I don't think it has anything to do with whether you're more masculine or you're more feminine. That's an emotional intelligence thing. Get yourself in order there and you can have the business sense, whether you're ultra feminine or ultra masculine. I think that there are some traits that women do bring to the table that I think are going to, that are changing the Mm -hmm. ideas of entrepreneurship on both the male and the female side, the woman and the male side. And one of those, we talked a little bit about it, is this idea of self-care. You see Mm -hmm. a lot of men will team no sleep, (laughs) do what you need to do. You know what I mean? Your bank account don't sleep. You know, these mantras that are very masculine, you know, you go hard. Whereas women, we are like self-care. I need to go to the spa. We need to go see a therapist. I feel like 
women have introduced that into the space and more people are drawn to that now. But I think that that's a positive thing that women have brought to the space. So I think that there's a balance between Mm -hmm. the feminine and masculine. Like you said, I don't think it's, if you're more feminine, you have less business sense. I think that you may be a little bit more emotional in a different way because men are emotional too. If they don't get a sale, you know, or they really high risk. And if it doesn't work out, we've seen some of those stories. So I just think that it's about having emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. in general. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because in the workplace, that term is used all the time now, emotional intelligence and all those things. And we need that same thing in our business as well. I'm curious about this because we're both women of color. And I'm wondering too, if there are some things that specifically we do as women of color when it comes to our pricing, when it comes to our confidence, when it comes to feeling less than, not good enough, I need a certain status, I need a certain thing. I see that a lot with us that I don't always see in other women where we feel like we got to have certain things in place in order to charge a certain way or in order to even show up a certain way. Do you see that as well? I do. And I think that's because of what society has said that you need to have in place. I think that has a lot to do with social media right now, where it's you have to look a certain way to Mm -hmm. go live. So yeah. people are like, well, I don't have my makeup done or I don't have my hair done, so I can't go live. I'm not saying that those are things you shouldn't do. I'm just saying that shouldn't be a reason why you don't do a thing. Right. Where Versus maybe our grandparents or great-grandparents, it's like they had a hustle. They went after it, mm-hmm. did it. You, they did it with what they had. They started mm-hmm. now and then they just learned and built along the way. I just think that with us, we do still have that hustle mentality But we're quick to not ask for help. We still Mm -hmm. don't ask for help. I see that a lot with Black women specifically. We don't ask for help. We burn out. We're suffering and drowning behind the scenes. And by the time we are asking for help, we're ready to just throw our whole business away. Yeah. So I also think that we're in a space where when you do ask for help, you're constantly being denied. Mm. So that's why you have all these programs now that are popping up for Black businesses or Black women in business. So let's take, I want to get financing. And I've experienced this myself. And I think that Black businesses in general experience it. But then as a Black woman, I think we experience it. The numbers show that we experience it at higher rates than any other group where Mm -hmm. we're being denied. My business personally has grown the first three years, 200, 300% year over year. I increased my profit margins. I saw like last year that, oh, wow, I started paying attention to profit margins and was like, oh, this is really low. So I increased, I like almost tripled my profit margins. So I went to apply for a loan in order to do something else that would increase my revenue significantly. And I presented a good case, but I continued to get turned down. And these were not by traditional banks. These were supposed to be by lenders who specifically worked with our demographic. So we're constantly seeing doors closed behind us, which keeps us in the space of hustling and doing what we can by any means necessary. We have, unfortunately, just historically a superwoman syndrome, Mm -hmm. the strong, independent, meaning by yourself, Black woman. So there's a lot of stigmas and Mm -hmm. stereotypes that we are now starting to break. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's going to take some time, you know, for us to break those things. But I'm so glad you mentioned that because we get so used to being told no. Yeah. 
But the reality is that lots of people are told no, and they still keep going. That's right. And so if you find yourself where you have asked for help, or you reached out to somebody and you reached out to somebody who you thought was going to help you and they jammed you up or they judged you, let it roll off. Let it roll off and go to what's next and keep looking for what you need. Don't let that stop you from dreaming bigger and pushing bigger. Yeah. You know what? It's so interesting. I love to work with mothers. I love to work with mothers, mothers, people with families, but it's nothing like the drive of a mother is unmatched. Oh yeah. Unmatched. Okay. So I read something, I think it was by Brian Tracy, or I was listening to something by Brian Tracy and he was given an example of how there was a company that would not hire, well, the salespeople that they hired, Mm -hmm. they made them go out and they said, okay, do you have a family? Do you have this? And those, they wouldn't hire people that didn't have families because the drive is just different. Uh And even on top of that, they would make their salespeople go out and purchase like a Cadillac, Mm. some expensive car, right? Because now you have not just your family, but this car note. So you're going to work hard to get this commission. Right. You're going to work hard to close deals so that you can have more than enough. And I feel that's the drive that we have to have constantly. And that's what I think the advantage is of Mm -hmm. having being women. I don't know if, I think you know this, but I'm 10 weeks away from having a baby. Surprise. It was a total, look, listen, <laughs> that was not part of the plan. That was all God's plan. My daughter is kissing 30. Oh my goodness. Oh my yeah, goodness. So this is like a whole start. Like it's been a long time, but yeah. what I'm saying is that my business turned four years old in December. Historically Q4 has always been the lowest months. It's been the slowest months. I lose revenue. It's just what it is in my industry. And I accepted that not this year. Okay. Not this year. I didn't this year. It was actually the highest quarter that we've had. Nice. For Q4 and the highest quarter we've ever had historically. And it happened in a Q4. I was like, what's different? I'm like, oh, you're expecting a baby. The drive is different. Yeah. So that's an advantage I think that women have in the workplace, mm-hmm. what they're driven by. Maybe just slightly different. Men are driven by like family and all of that. But I still think that men are driven a little bit more by power. Whereas women, <laughs> women are driven yeah. by like their children, their yeah. family. I'm so glad you said that because I sometimes I think a lot of women, they'll use the children as an excuse. I can't build yeah. my business because I've got children. And I'm like, no, you can build your business because you have children. My daughter was the reason I started my business. She's 20. She'll be 21 this April. And I didn't want to go back to work. I wanted to be home with her. So I started a business. Now it didn't hundred percent work out that way. And I ended up launching my business while working, but my intention was always, I want to be home for her. Yeah. I want to be around for her. And I also wanted to make sure she could see that she doesn't have to just take a cubicle job anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And she works in our business. Now, if you work with our team, she's building quizzes and she's building funnels and she does email automations, right? Yep. But she was the impetus for me doing this. And so I'm really glad you said that it's a driver and not an excuse. 
Yes. And I love that because that also may be going back to what we were talking about earlier. That could also be a reason why some women want to work with women, right? Because of reasons like that. No, this isn't, this is a driver. This isn't a hindrance. You can do this and you just have to look at the right transition plan. And I'm not telling you to go quit your job. It doesn't have to be just jump off the cliff and take it all, right? Mm -hmm. Take all the risk. It can be a transition. My daughter also worked with me for up until just maybe mm, about eight months ago before Mm -hmm. she set off to do her own thing. But it was this working at Key served as the catalyst for her to see what she was able to do on her own, right? So it freed her in that way. And now I'm having another daughter, right? Mm -hmm. And okay, so here we go again, right? I definitely think that I say it wasn't part of the plan, but I am definitely a God-fearing woman. And so I say it's God's plan. And I said, maybe this child will be an example that you can continue to keep going and growing, you know, Mm -hmm. a high revenue, high profit business. Absolutely. Successfully with a child. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And we need to see more like that. I say, see yourself, be yourself. Yeah. All we saw when growing up, a lot of us, all we saw were women, especially women of color being teachers and nurses. And when I was coming up, everybody was to be an executive assistant or admin assistant. And now we, you and I included, but a lot of us women, we're setting a different example for what we get to be, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's as an entrepreneur. And I think that opens up the door for so many other young women to come in and see, oh, I don't have to do that. I don't have to be behind the cube. I don't have to just be a consumer of things. I can actually create things and drive markets and change things. So I'm so excited that you're going to be able to set that example again for mini me number two. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's quite the, I'm like, okay, we're on countdown to this adventure. So I think it's an important conversation for women not to imitate or work to become like men in business and men not expecting for women to be like men in business. So I'm okay with gender differences or any of that being, again, it comes down to, I don't think either one has anything to do with what you were saying, businesses. Yeah. I think there's power in both. I happen to operate from, and it sounds like you too, from a space of, like I said, androgyny, the masculine feminine balance. I think that's the best place to be because there are things, there are advantages that I have as a woman, just like there are advantages that men have as men. And instead of looking at basing your confidence off of what we don't have and Mm -hmm. what, where we're blocked, using that as a driving force to open doors and break through glass ceilings. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I have loved, loved, loved having this conversation with you. One of the questions that I've asked every single guest that we've had as we're wrapping up our conversation is, what does being a liberated CEO mean to you? Ooh, it means actually operating in the role of CEO and driving the vision that you have for your company, working in your mission doing daily activities, quarterly, annual activities that lead you to your vision, standing firm in your purpose and never swaying from your values. So staying Mm -hmm. true to those things that are your foundational principles and that brought you here, conclude in that very way and Mm -hmm. do it in a way in which you are balanced and free Mm -hmm. and not drowning in responsibilities 
so I'm big on liberation to me means balance. It means peace of mind. It means being able to enjoy what I'm doing every day. And I think Joy Mm -hmm. Pittman said it, I'm not working to escape from a life Mm -hmm. that I build. I want to revel in the life that I build and I want others to be able to benefit from what I've built as well. Oh, I love that. I love that. And part of being liberated and having more ease and having more peace is making sure you're delegating the right things. And that's what your company is about. So people that have enjoyed the conversation and want to know more about you, tell us where they can find you and connect with you online. Yes, absolutely. So you can definitely follow my page under Tequila Shabazz. That's T-E-Q-U-I-L-A, just like the Mexican drink. And Shabazz, S-H-A-B-A-Z-Z. My personal page is a public page, so you can follow that. But you could also follow Key Support Solutions on Facebook, as well as Instagram and LinkedIn for just what we do in business tips on how to work more effectively with remote teams and virtual assistants, independent contractors, all of that good stuff. I have a podcast called The Executive Suite. There's one season that is finished where I meet with women. Women entrepreneurs, right? That are high six, seven figure earners. And they talk about the other side of success. Just have really good conversations just like this. Mm -hmm. You can find that executive suite and that's X-E-C-U-T-I-V-E suite. And that we have a YouTube channel and we also have a Facebook page. So you can find us there. And I'm going to be dropping lots and lots of goodies this year. Something I'm really excited about are my tequila shots. Those are are 60 to 90 second quick tips for both the businesses that are working with remote workers, independent contractors, and those who are looking to break into becoming an independent contractor or a VA, because there's so many ways to break into this whole entrepreneurship world. There are. Yeah, we definitely have to catch up. And I love tequila shots. I can't wait to grab a few of those. Literally in... (laughs) (laughs) figuratively on that. And I'm going to make sure all of the links that she mentioned, we're going to make sure those are in the show notes. Specifically, when I was on her podcast, we had a great conversation. So I'm definitely going to make sure the link to that one is in the show notes. It has been my pleasure to hang out with you, Tequila. Thank you. Thank you so much for dropping by and reveling in this conversation. Yes. Thank you, Ty. Thanks for hanging out with us for today's episode. Check the show notes at tygoodwin.com for links and resources. And be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you found value in this episode, please leave us a rating. Until next time, be brilliant, be bankable, and show up like a boss in your life and your business.